As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Audible, a special edition of The Audible, an emergency version of The Audible presented by Trader Joe's coming at you on Friday morning where a week's worth of everything you can imagine in realignment came to a head. We did not wait until the official word, Bruce, but as of this recording, just to give people a little time capsule, it is being reported by The Athletic and others that Oregon and Washington are going to accept invitations to the Big Ten. After a brief, like, 45-minute period Friday morning where it looked like they might not, at which point it is expected that Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, though Michael Crow may still keep his, you know, he clearly doesn't want to do it, uh, would join the Big 12, at which point you have four schools remaining in the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 is dead. Even though... This has been a possibility and has been talked about ever since USC and UCLA left, which is now more than 13 months ago. I don't know about you, but like, I still can't believe it. I can't believe that come, not this football season, but next, the Pac-12 as a conference just won't be part of college football. I think, Stu, and we've talked about this a lot internally, you and I, um, this has been a wild week in this regard because I think if you had asked me maybe on Tuesday um, when this started to get a lot more traction, is this really going to happen? This being Oregon and Washington getting into the Pac-12 and 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 it working out financially for for them and everyone else. Um, I was like, mm, that seems like a long shot still to me, you know, in the end. And then... You know, as we got closer to it, we're taping this Friday morning. Um, I think as we got closer to it Thursday afternoon, it was like, oh boy, this is actually, this is going to become a reality. Then Friday morning, we're seeing reporting about, and I remember the term, and you and I, I texted you this, it was like, people inside the Pac-12 have been cautious, quote, cautiously optimistic. It's like, they've been cautiously optimistic for months and months and almost to the point where it's like um this does not seem 
this does not seem very wise right now. Now, full disclosure, I'm going to probably do this more than once on this. I work for Fox Sports. And so, um, obviously, Fox Sports, ESPN, the TV networks are very involved in uh, a lot of this. Um, but yeah, I, you can't explain it, but I will. I think when the history books are written on this, the, it's going to become clear that Fox played a big, big role in the demise of the Pac-12. Fox, this is a very unique situation that they have with the Big Ten. This is the only conference, and this was a Jim Delaney thing in the in the last TV deal, where Fox, not the conference, but Fox, well, technically Big Ten Network, but Fox now owns a majority of the Big Ten Network, controls all of the Big Ten's TV rights. So when you see that they have a deal now with NBC, for example. That is not like NBC bought it from the Big Ten. They bought it from Fox. Fox sub-licensed it to them. So when it came time this week for, you know, when, when the big, we, <laughs> by the way, I love the, I love the idea that the bill, oh, we don't want to be the ones to kill the Pac-12. We're not going to be the aggressors. Um, in fairness, I should also mention, obviously, ESPN's role with the SEC owning the SEC network. Um, we all know how much they benefited from getting Oklahoma and Texas, leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC. ESPN has a similar arrangement with ACC. So at the end of the day, all the networks run college football, let's be clear. But in this specific situation, I think what happened this week is, the, I mean, the Big Ten, like as recently as like Monday, maybe even Tuesday, all we were hearing is, yeah, the Big Ten's having enough trouble trying to figure out USC and UCLA. They don't need more. West Coast schools. There's not a lot of appetite for that. And it changed in an instant when they, when, you know, George Klyovkov has this big, long-awaited meeting Tuesday where he presents the presidents and the ADs, the TV deal he's been working on for 13 months. And from what I've been told, he genuinely believed not only that they were going to be happy with it, they were going to be ecstatic about it. And clearly that was not the case. Um, it's a very unique deal with Apple, a streaming service. And it's not that, like, you know, I think they've known all along a streaming service would be a big part of this. But in this case, Apple would hold all of the rights. And the and this is the key thing. The payout is, at least in part, not guaranteed. So you have your guaranteed money. Nobody has, I don't know the exact figure. I'm not going to speculate on, but it's less than the Big 12. But they, they would then have a chance, based on subscription threshold, sell 2 million, 5 million, however many subscriptions to Apple, to the Pac-12 package on Apple+, Plus, much like the MLS one, to make a lot more money. The problem is it's not guaranteed. And if you're an AD balancing your budget, you want certainty, um, especially after what happened with the Pac-12 network. So this seems to be yet another massive miscalculation by George Klyovkov if he thought this deal was going to wow the room and so that de that as soon as that meeting ended you hear up oh, arizona's talking to the big 12 and this and that and that's when i think big 10 and, and oregon and washington heated up but they needed money they 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 can't just add two schools uh for nothing they needed enough money to cover at least a half share oregon washington coming in at a half share which is about 35 million and who's the one that can provide them to that fox um We'll see. I mean, this is just going to be so clunky. An 18-team conference. You've got four schools on the other side of the country. You've got... Is, wait, let me stop you yeah. there. 
Yeah. Is it clunkier an 18? Like, I don't know in that regard. It's clunkier 16 or 18 because now, devil's advocate, um, you have four travel partners from the, from a West Coast pod as opposed to two. Like, I'm not sure that that's – I'll tell you where it's clunkier. It's clunkier for the non-revenue sports, the Olympic sports. To me, that's where it's really clunky. From a football part of this, I don't think it. I don't think it's clunkier. Um, but what what I find interesting within the context of this is Oregon's spot here, right? So Oregon has been very good in football. I would. Say, I've said this all along. I felt like once USC and UCLA left, and we were talking Pac-12 versus a Texas OU less Big 12. I felt like the two most attractive football brands in, in, in the whole pie between those two leagues were Washington and Oregon. And they were attractive from a TV. They were more attractive. They're certainly not Ohio State and Michigan from a rating standpoint, but they do, they do pretty good numbers. Um, they're, you know, certainly Seattle's a big TV market. You have some, some history, Washington has won national titles, Oregon had played for one not that long ago. They recruit well. And so with Oregon especially, and I use this because the biggest booster in, the biggest booster in, um, sorry, let me stop. The biggest booster in all of sports or the most prominent one for a long time has been the king of Nike, Phil Knight. And obviously we know his beloved Oregon Ducks, what they mean to him. Phil Knight is, you know, is up into well into his 80s from everything I've heard from people who are close to him. You know, the one thing he really wants to see before, you know, while he's still alive is his Ducks win a, a football championship and or a national title in football. It seems to me and from the people I've talked to would agree they probably have way better access to get to a playoff in the short term and perhaps win it from what was the Pac-12 than they would have going into this very large. Now, down the road, I do buy the, you know, the people I've had conversations with, like Jeff Schwartz, who you know, is the media guy now, but was former Oregon player, about, well, we get left behind from a recruiting standpoint if people can't see our games on TV and that's going to impact us down the road. But in the short term, and I was curious about this with Oregon, you know, when I say short term, the next four or five years, I would think they are better. They were better positioned to at least to win a national title. But long term, you know, this is a move. This is the. It sounds like it's a deal that both them and and Washington just couldn't couldn't pass up. Yeah. So I was told by somebody with knowledge of Oregon's process that 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 was basically the debate right short term arguably first of all if the um, numbers that george klyovkov was saying you might hit you might actually make as much or more than this reduced share in the big 10 um and then i absolutely i had been told before you know before the tv deal that disappointed everyone that oregon was actually very excited at the idea of being possibly the top dog in a small conference because we're going to the CFP format where if you win the Pac-12, you're going to the playoff. Um, obviously, circumstances changed um, and it became a bit more of a tough decision. But I think long term, if your choice is the most thriving or one of the two most thriving conferences in sports, college sports, versus one that's hanging on by a thin, thin, thin thread, 
you want the long-term stability. And also, yes, you want, you're going to a conference where every game is going to be on Fox, NBC, or CBS. There are eight Peacock games, almost every game versus that's now, network that's network television this is this is not you know and fs1 and fs1 yeah. we should the apple deal you know i have yet to be able to obtain what the actual terms were and i don't know that anyone has but i was told it wouldn't be entirely streaming they would their ml it would be like their mls deal where they simulcast some games on some of the better games on a major network but nobody i don't even think they could could say exactly how many, where it would be, just too much uncertainty. So they went for certainty. And I can't say I blame them. Um, I do think that uh, George Klyovkov could not have conducted the last 13 months any worse. One miscalculation after another after another. You mentioned earlier about Oregon and Washington, kind of like their brand value. I have seen, first of all, I did my own, you know, kind of bare bones research off sports media watch at the time but i have since seen it from actual people who do this for a living oregon and washington's viewership is is considerably higher than any of the um big 12 schools right believe it or not now this is based on the past decade when they're actually pretty good stanford's is higher than anybody in the big 12s i don't think that'll be the case going forward it doesn't make sense in a vacuum that the Pac-12 should be getting a worse deal than the Big 12 at all, much less a considerably worse deal. But spreadsheets don't negotiate TV deals. People do. And I think that the Big 12, you know, Brett Yormark gets a lot of credit, as he should. He also brought in CAA. Uh, no, that's wrong. He also brought in IMG and WME, like the biggest heavy hitters in media consulting. And they got, a, they got the deal they needed to from ESPN and Fox last year to basically jump the line. Like their turn was not supposed to come up for another year. Their contract goes another year. They convinced those two to open negotiations early. They didn't go to the open market. They just locked in what they could. And that was step one of like, uh-oh, things aren't going well for George. I've also been told repeatedly that his asking price at the beginning was so unrealistic it was they were their goal was to get 75 percent of the, what the big 10 did mm. which is around 50 million like not quite 50 million but high 40 millions okay big 10's getting a big 12 is 31.7 you're not getting you're not getting anywhere near that without usc no really. it's completely unrealistic and imagine being espn how much that would turn you off like are you serious like you're the this is what we're gonna have to negotiate with so i think espn gave them a number a fairly low number and just wrote it out because they don't have to have the pac-12 it would be nice but it's not like the sec or uh and also by the way espn has had massive amounts of layoff yeah they're streaming definitely some bad streaming business has not has been a big hit for a big hit a, a negative in a lot of ways so I think, which, as you said, the timing is not great. This is a, you know, this is not a it great time for them. It was definitely a perfect storm of bad timing. I mean, it was like right around the beginning of this year that Disney CEO Bob Iger came out and said, A, they're going to have to do massive cost cutting. B, we're going to have to be more selective in which sports rights we go after. So there goes ESPN, or at least ESPN at a price that the Pac-12 wanted. 
Fox never really showed any interest in the remaining Pac-12 because they were able to get the, the two and now four programs they wanted uh, at a discount at another conference. And I think what people uh, forget about Fox also is MLB and the playoffs, you know, that's that's a lot of time that goes on to Fox broadcast windows basically deep into October. And that's half the college football season or more than half the college yeah. football season. I feel like there, you know, that Spider-Man meme that always shows up on social media where the two Spider-Mans are pointing or three. I feel like that's basically George and Larry Scott at this point. <laughs> I mean, they both deserve a lot of blame. Like Larry Scott, there's no question. Well, let me just finish my thought on the media negotiations real quick. I think the big 10 deal that George thought he was going to get 75% of actually hurt him because CBS and NBC, their dance cards filled up. Like they don't have that many time slots. And so, yeah, that's how he ended up having to try to figure something out with Apple. And, and it really never came out who else was seriously involved. There was talk at one point of Amazon. Um, was it the w, the WB or the CW or whatever? CW, or whatever. CW, I don't think it ever really got that serious, but yes. Um, you know, the, the, the truly bizarre thing to me is that at Pac-12 Media Day and in the week leading up to it, multiple people told me that the negotiations had taken a big turn recently. New, new bidders that hadn't been at the table before or had left the table before had come back, and now the deal was going to be really good. But the deal he presented was the same one Andrew Marchand reported in February, New York Post, that Apple was the likely likely company. And so it seems to me he spent seven months hashing out the details of Apple, presented it to the room, and the room said, that's it? That's the best you got? Okay, Stu, back to the podcast in a second. But now a word from our sponsor, LinkedIn Talent Solutions. When you are hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a jobs board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within the first 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash audible. That's linkedin.com slash audible to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let me ask you. There's a there's something like I had some people um, text me this, and I know I saw you had answered a question on social media also kind of connected to this. And so the first part is the part that somebody had pointed out to me, and I think it ties into a little bit of what what you had talked about before, and here it goes. So this one person had said, you can't really name a program that really elevated itself by going from one Power 5 league to another and rattled off Maryland and Rutgers, no, Colorado, no, Virginia Tech, Miami, Pitt, BC, Nebraska, um, now they've gotten more money, but but in terms of what they've been able to do on the field, and I feel like this has all happened for a variety of reasons, why they have either backslid or a downright imploded. Um, so is it let the what is that caveat emptor? Let the buyer beware. Um, and then the other part of this, and before we get into that side of it, is something you got asked about, like. Everyone gets fired up and excited about this because they see energy and everything going on. But is this actually to the detriment of the sport in general? Yeah, let's 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 try to hit both. I think Oregon is an interesting test case for what you just said, um, because Oregon has, for the most part, thrived in the Pac-12. Especially, you know, that if you go back to the beginning of the Chip Kelly era, which was two thousand nine. Obviously, they were a dominant program up through Marcus Mariota. They took a little bit of a dip, and then you know they went to a Rose Bowl under Mario Cristobal. They were in the playoff hunt the last uh, couple years. Um, not so much last year, but they went ten and three. Like they, at, at the moment, if you if they had managed to keep this thing together, and 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 this is the crazy thing: the twelve team playoff was specifically designed to try to stabilize realignment. Six highest-ranked conference champions. If you're the in the MAC and you're one of the six highest-ranked champions, you can go. So Oregon was looking at a future where, hey, we could be the top dog in the Pac-12, or we'll compete with Washington and Utah. And if we win the conference, we're going to the playoff. Now they're going to an 18-team conference, and who knows? Maybe it's going to get even bigger. And they're going to compete with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC. Maybe Luke Fickle gets Wisconsin going. Now, granted, that conference is going to get more than one bid, but what, what, where is Oregon football 10 years from now? I realize they want the money, they want the exposure, but will they be an annual contender, or will they? Will what happened to Nebraska happen to them, and they just kind of become like middle-of-the-pack Big Ten program? Yeah, I don't think that's going to be their, their – you know, you're only as good as your leadership – but I think they have everything in place to certainly be what those other leagues are because I think we need to look at the Big Ten as, you know, like let's say there are, I don't know how, you know, four to, four times four is 16, not 18, but how this kind of sets up on the West Coast. I don't think there's any reason why Oregon can't still be what Oregon has been in the last 10 years. I mean, if you feel strongly about Dan Lanning, and he had a really nice, strong first year as a head coach, um, if anything, I feel like 
for people who are always like, oh, Dan Lanning's not from the West Coast. Eventually, if he wins enough, he's going to bounce. Maybe not now. Um, you know, he's got three young, you know, you know, preteen sons. I think I could see him saying, "Hey, I'm going to put roots up here." Because I mean, they definitely have great facilities. They have a great home atmosphere. Um, they can still recruit. I think that I don't think this will hurt the recruiting. I don't see. Now it's going to be more competitive because Ohio State's not backing up and Michigan's only gotten stronger the last couple of years and Penn State feels like they're surging up. Um, you know, so those are three legit heavyweights. You know, it'll be more competitive. But think about it this way. To get to win a national title, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to, you know, land some big body blows and some big people. So I don't think it's, it's you know, they're... To me, the schools that are more hurt by this are the mid-level schools of, you know, the Minnesotas, the Illinois, uh, Illinois, the, the oh, yeah. uh, Maryland's, where now all of a sudden, instead of, you know, three heavyweights in that division, now you got, because I feel like, you didn't ask me like this, but this is how I see it. I feel like Washington and Oregon are closer to USC, Ohio State, Penn State, um, Michigan than they are to Minnesota, Illinois, Purdue, you know, like, if you, you know, I'm going to ask you straight up like this, and gr- granted the last few years are what they are, who do you think is better positioned to go to the playoff over the next 10 years? Washington, Oregon, or Nebraska, and or just Nebraska? I mean, and you could throw Iowa until, in until I mean, until Matt Rule shows can prove that he's gonna you know get the thing going. I don't know how I could possibly say Nebraska. Um, Iowa. I think, so let me ask you, Iowa then. Right now, Washington. Well, I don't put Washington in the same category as Oregon. First of all, like they've had their moments. They've had their moments, and, but they've won a na- wait, wait. They won a national title. They, no, I mean rec- the, recently. Been, they went to a playoff recently. They went to a playoff and then it kind of trick died down from there. Now they had a great season this past year. They might have a great season this year, but I don't think it's as certain to me. Like if you're saying which of those three is going to do the best, I'd say Oregon. But you know, you made a good point, and I said this on Twitter yesterday. It's unclear to me what you know. You know, when you invite a school to a new conference, in theory, I don't know how it's really going down behind the scenes. In theory, you have a vote, and there's now 16 schools that have a vote. And I'm struggling to see why Purdue, Illinois, Maryland, Rutgers, Northwestern, and so on want Oregon and Washington to join the conference. What's in it for them? Because this is they're not making more money off this. There's just enough money is being paid to, to keep everybody whole. They're going to make even more trips west, not just in football, but in their other sports. And like you said, it kind of just like, if Oregon and Washington perform at the level we think they could, just pushes them down another rung. But, you know, I think university presidents, man, they don't, that's not how they think. Um, somebody sold them on this is going to be great for the conference. Maybe they love Oregon and Washington's academics. I think if the ADs got a vote, I don't think this would be happening. I'd be but, curious what your alma mater at Northwestern, uh, their president who came from Oregon, who knows that's that the place, thing. What he their thinks. president might be a little biased. He also might their be. President, out, their also president might also might be out of a job, job soon. By the, time, yeah. by the time Oregon's actually playing in the league, 
So um, now I want to get into the deeper question, though, that you brought up. And um, I'm just going to read this tweet that was sent at me from somebody named Rob. We actually get mailbag questions sometimes from a Rob W. So maybe it's the same guy. I don't know. Um, this should be a bad day. I had said, like, this is a really bad day for, you know, the four schools, Washington State, Oregon State, Sanford, Cal, who have been playing major college football for 100 years and are just left in the dust now. And he said, this should just be a bad day for anyone who cares, like actually cares about college sports. Where we're headed is not a good place. A lot of what makes them interesting and fun to follow is going out the window in favor of trying to be a mini NFL. Your thoughts? Um, I think, and I take a big sigh on this, you know, we have been, we, and I say you and me and a lot of other people who've been covering college football and have been college football fans for a long time, I feel like have heard about like the demise of college football for all sorts of reasons for a long time. And I don't know if I've become jaded. Like I'm also probably one of the few people who covers the sport who's like, you know, like I feel like my love for the sport and the games itself has, has only grown in the last 20 years. Like I genuinely am as passionate about college football and the games as I was when I first started covering it, if not more. Um, and I don't say that's like brag on anything or whatever, but like, I'm going to watch the games. Like, did it suck that Texas and Texas A&M were not playing regularly? Yeah. Did it, you know, is it, there's some other things that have changed that weren't the same, those rivalry games. You know, I'd ask somebody who's pretty, you know, I know it, you know, as a big Arizona fan the other night, I was like, you know, do you think people there will miss, you know, the familiar road trips and games and opponents of generation and generation that they played? Now, all of a sudden, they're probably going to be going to Morgantown and Orlando and Lubbock. Um, and I think for some people, they're like, OK, they see that. All right. This could be better for us. And however they view us is. Um, but as a college football fan, and that's what I am more than anything you know, like when I view the sport, like as long as they're still playing football on the, on the field, you know, whether, whether Rutgers is playing Oregon or, you know, we, we, we're still going to, we're still going to gravitate towards the big ticket item games. Meaning like, you know, when USC plays Michigan and Ohio state plays um, Washington or whatever the game, you know, it's, to me, that still matters. The part which is like, which is hard is, and we haven't mentioned this on this podcast, we just talked about in our live room the other day, you know, your Oregon State, your Washington State, you are now getting pushed into the margins because you're the one who gets left behind. And that fan base, like I do feel for them, you know, Jake Dickert, I don't want to say unprovoked, but, but kind of unprovoked. He's the head coach at Washington State, you know, gave a pretty impassioned uh, comments about, you know, how TV is, you know, the TV networks are kind of blowing up college football as we know it. And his, his program is the one that will suffer, you know, quite a bit from it as opposed to, you know, I haven't talked to Jonathan Smith in the last two days, but uh, you know, Oregon state, I mean, he, he played on a big stage as a walk-on player in Corvallis and he's built that program up to a 10 win team. And now, 
I mean, he's not saying it, but I, I mean, it feels like the rug is getting pulled out from under them, you know? And, and so from that side, I get it from the global, like how you and I cover the sport, like for the fans of the individual teams like that, they are getting squeezed. There's not, there's not, I don't say there's not a ton of schools like that, but there are a handful of schools that are like that. And you get left in the, left in the wreckage behind or the, your collateral damage. And that sucks. But from a big picture college football standpoint, um, you know, I still think the sport is going to flourish as much as it can because it's going to have these big matchups and these are going to be, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, I get it. Yeah, I get, I, I get both No, sides. I get what you're saying. I think that when the schedule, so both the uh, SEC and, and, uh, Big Ten recently, earlier this year, released their 2024 schedules with Oklahoma and Texas coming. And, and you saw, this, when you actually saw it in front of your eyes, it was like, oh, that's why they're doing this. Like, Ohio State, USC, and, you know, I think Texas is playing at Georgia in the first year. Like, you're going to watch those games. You, you, you don't necessarily like the process that led to it, but these are games you're going to watch. But to your point, I don't know how anybody could say it's healthy or a good thing that the conference, the West Coast, you know, conference, their major, an entire region of the country's conference is going to be gone. It's, it's like when the Southwest Conference died, like that conference had so much history and you saw what happened. The schools that got absorbed into what was then the Big Eight, right? Oklahoma, I mean, sorry, Texas, Texas Tech, Texas A&M. Who am I forgetting? Baylor. Right. They got to stay in the big leagues, if you will. SMU, TCU, who has amazingly come all the way back from it, Rice, Houston, were basically just put out to pasture. And that's what's going to happen to those four schools you just mentioned. Like, they have been playing. Well, Stanford they, played in, Stanford they played in the they were, very first. They were first... put in mothballs. I don't think they were put out to pasture, meaning, like, you know, they still... You know, I remember when, you know, when TCU, LaDainian Tomlinson got there, like they weren't, they might've been left for dead, but they didn't die. And so let's try to put this into context for this. Let's say hypothetically that Oregon State and Wazoo's best bet is to join up with the Mountain West. I don't know if they could even be called, do, do they end up? You know, do they end up taking the name of the Pac-12 or do they end up staying in the mountain? Well, no- here's the thing. You know, remember, was this is how quickly this has changed. was a few weeks ago that San Diego State was trying to figure out how they're going to pay yeah. a $17 million exit fee. Well, the Pac-12 schools have no exit fee. So now it doesn't make any sense for schools to leave the Mountain West when they can just absorb or So that State becomes the Pac-12. Now, do they? I don't know. I don't know if what's that's. We'll see what happens with the brand name. But don't they still have an access to get into the playoff? Then, though, they absolutely do. They absolutely do. In fact, it's 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 six bids, and if we're down to four quote unquote power conferences, now you've got room for the AAC and the Mountain West, or the Sun Belt, or the MAC. So, you know, I think that's the obvious play for them. The ones that are going to be just fascinating to watch. Are Stanford and Cal, and you know I'm here 15 minutes from Stanford. I know that university very well. I don't 
I mean, they have no good options. They don't want to go to the Mountain West. They don't want to be in a, I don't want to disparage any of those schools, but obviously they... Hey, Air Force Academy, they, you have to be a great student to get in the Air Force Academy. Yeah, I think Stanford... I was just text- brush that off and dismiss what I just said. No, they, I was just texting with a Stanford alum, a Stanford booster last night, who was like pretty disparaging of the Mountain West. I'm like, well, but you got to play somebody. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, after you've spent all this time associating with great institutions like UCLA and, and, and USC, it's really tough pill to swallow. And I'm like, I get it. But what's your other option? Some people have suggested they go independent. There's no, they're not Notre Dame. NBC is not throwing around a bunch of money to show Stanford home games. No, there, there wouldn't be. The TV part would hurt. But, you know, maybe then they could play USC and UCLA out of conference. Correct. And they could, you know, there's enough schools on the West Coast where, and look, I mean, they just had a coaching search, as you're well versed in. They weren't throwing a ton of money around to do this. Maybe they don't this- have a ton of money. to. People are under the mis, there is a misperception. I mean, Stanford as a university has a multi-billion dollar endowment. So there's this sense that like, well, they'll just get some Silicon Valley, you know, big wigs to, to pay for the whole thing. Stanford tried to cut 11 sports a couple years ago because the athletic department's running in a deficit. There was major backlash and some donors stepped up and saved those teams. But that's the other thing. That, that's what's so interesting about Stanford is we all focus on football. Stanford almost every year finishes number one in the Learfield Cup standings, which is the entire, you know, how all your sports teams did. They win so many national championships in the non-revenue sports. They produce Olympians. But somebody's got to pay for all that. And if you're going to go from making whatever, $30 million in the, in the uh, Pac-12 to $7 million in the Mountain West, I don't know how you fund all those sports. So, I mean, th- this is a, this is a, they're all, all four of them are obviously in, in, you know, a really sad state now, but that school in particular, and by the way, Cal has been a financial mess for, for, for as long as I've lived out here, they've been running huge deficits and the stadium debt. I mean, don't put it out of, I'm not going to give it a very high percentage, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that one or both of those schools drops football. Or drops to Division Three or something. There's not a lot of passion on the campuses for it. It well, costs a lot of money, and they're about to have a lot less of it. I think they would drop to FCS before they would go play UC Davis or something like that. But um, you mean you not not drop to D three? Yeah, to FCS. Yeah, um, you still have to offer scholarships in FCS. There's just not there's just not a lot of D three programs on the West Coast. Then all of a sudden, it's like That's how true. are you traveling to play those games? Um, our friend Brian. One one slight, slight possible life raft is the one you mocked me for the other day, whether they could get absorbed into the ACC, um, whether they could align themselves somehow. Because why, why does they want to jump into the mess of the ACC? Duke, UNC. No, no. Why? Uh, Wake like, Forest, why, Virginia. No, no. I'm saying, like, if you're the ACC, like, what are you, what are you really getting with Cal and Stanford other than the massive travel headaches? You're not getting big TV dollars from it. No, all you'd be getting is a few more, you know, like basic cable households. Oh, come on. I mean, I, well, not, I'm not saying it's very likely. The ACC's got to do something. Florida State's president, and and by the way, this has been such a hectic week that this almost got lost in the shuffle. Florida State's president, they had this, this board meeting that anybody could tune in and watch. And Florida State's president flat out said, 
we're we're gonna have. I think if nothing, if they won't give us more revenue, this being the ACC, we're gonna have to leave. And then other trustees chimed in, like, "Yeah, let's do it. Let's get out of the ACC." And of course, all this time we've been operating under the assumption that there's this grant of rights that they can never get out of. But I think they feel pretty confident they can get out of it. And so, to answer your question, what does it do, the ACC? Well, you might want to add some more members in case two of your best ones are about to, fl- you know, fly the coop. So. Um, but short of that, I mean, right now I'm operating on the assumption that Stanford is going to have to either suck Steve it up, suck up has, their pride and go Steve to the Mountain has, West. William and, Mary has, William and Mary has good academics. You may as well call William and Mary if it makes, and have them join you. That, I just told you, don't put it past them to drop down. Like, they just, they just need to be able to have enough money, whether it's through donors, TV, whatever, to keep their national championship, uh, swimming, lacrosse, soccer... How, it's like I think they have three or four of the uh, women's World Cup players are from Stanford. Like they, that's what the school cares about. They take a lot of pride in that, and they have to find a way to come up with the money for it. Let's do a real quick, and then we can we can wrap this up. Um, we haven't even mentioned the Big Twelve. You know, obviously the Big Ten got the two like kind of more glamorous programs. The Brett Yormark set out. 13 months ago to get West Coast schools, and he's about to, by all indications, pull it off. Colorado, he got already. Arizona has ha- has been like on the brink of this thing all week. And now that it's falling apart, ASU and Utah are going to go in there with like their their hands, their fingers, you know, square against their nose. Michael Crow does not want to go to the Big 12. Utah has never shown any, I mean, I think just because of BYU, they don't, they feel like this is going to be a, you know, uh, uh, they don't want to have to do this, but they might not have a choice. I feel like uh, Utah's AD at one point was gonna was gonna smack Dennis Dodd in the face if he ever like <laughs> said, suggested that any of this was even remotely possible. Like that's the vibe I've gotten for a year. Like they didn't want anything to do with the Big Twelve. Again, there's some academic snobbery involved there, but I do think in Utah's case. I well, mean, there's also, have, I think there's a lot of people who do not want to be, in, I don't know if they want to be involved with BYU. Correct. For them. There's, that rivalry is it's, so nasty. And Utah has spent the last 11, uh, 12 years lording it over BYU that they were in a Power 5 conference and BYU was not. So to have to like, you know, kind of come, come limping in to like, hey, can you guys lend us a hand is not ideal, but I don't know what choice they have at this point. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. When we were last on here and it was only Colorado, we were kind of like, what, what does this really do for the Big 12? Like, I get it. It's a Power 5 program. They have Dion. 
But what does it do for the Big 12 now to have all four of them? What do you, what is this, what is, how does it change or, or not change your perception of the strength of the Big 12? I think Utah's a really good ad. You know, they've been, they've been excellent for much of the last decade. I mean, just ask USC, they, they physically beat them up the last two, the last two times they played. Um, Arizona's definitely on the come. You know, I, I mean, Jed Fish got them back to respectable last year and they're recruiting really well. So I think, by the way, Arizona's obviously a great basketball program. I mean, Utah's had some really good basketball teams. I think Arizona State, you know, wasn't that long ago we were talking about Arizona, you know, it may have been like a year ago at this time where like, what was going on with Herm? They were at all kinds yeah. of NCAA issues. Like Herm's back on TV, and now every, a lot of other people have had some of those similar, some of them, NCA uh, recruiting issues. And I think, you know, I think Kenny Dillingham will be will be interesting to see how he does back home. So for the Big Twelve, I think this is all positive stuff. I don't, you know, again, I if you would ask me to rank the programs in terms of like not just necessarily football drawing power from a TV standpoint, but it's like, who do I think would be the most likely national title contenders in that league? Obviously TCU was just in the national title game. Um, give me in the, put on a crystal ball or whatever. Give me in the next five years, which programs do you think in the big 12 will have the best chance of winning a playoff game? Well, of the of the ones that are you know TCU TCU won a playoff game so, and I think their recruiting is only going to improve, and I think they have a chance to be I don't want to say like the dominant program in the conference because I think it's too, I, I don't think any such thing is going to exist, but they they could turn that thing into a regular contender. Back when you were talking about how TCU and Ladainian Thompson didn't necessarily get left in the dust, you know. They always the thing they always had going for them was the DFW. Yeah, Oregon State and and Washington State don't have anything like that. I do also uh, think they've had very, like they've had very good leadership now. I mean, Del Conte was a good correct. AD. They had they used they were really good in development. I think Jeremiah Donati, the, you know, his protege is really sharp. I think that helps. I think Sonny's a really good fit. I agree with everything you just said. But who I mean, else? I think who of who the else? four that are yeah, and then. Um, you know, I think I'm curious to. I don't think any of the four newcomers are going to be particularly successful at first. Really, but I'm curious to. Oh, I'm sorry. You mean the four that are in the league now? Sorry, the four the yeah. four newcomers before the new four newcomers um, are going to be particularly successful at first. But I certainly think Cincinnati has built themselves up in a way to um, have success wherever they go. I don't know. That might take five years. We'll see. Uh, Oklahoma State has been a very good program for a long time under Mike Gundy. I don't know why that has to change. Of the Pac-12 schools that are coming, what's going to be interesting is um, Utah's very good. Utah has won the last two Pac-12 championships. They played in two more right before that. They could be a Obviously, playoff team this year. They could be a playoff team this year. Everybody remembers the – well, not everybody, I guess, at this point, but people that are our age – the Urban Meyer team that went undefeated, the 08 team uh, with, with I almost said Alex Smith, with Brian Johnson that went undefeated. My only question is, what happens when they go into a conference 
where they have almost nothing in common geographically with the other schools. Like now you're competing against Texas schools and Oklahoma schools. They've been playing this specific style. Like what I have it, no idea. What does it matter though? I mean, the Big Twelve. I don't think the Big Twelve. I have to think this through before I let it out of my mouth. But like for the past decade, the Big Twelve or past fifteen years has been a heavy air raid ish mm-hmm. um, and wide open. I mean, the Pac twelve, um, you know, to a large degree was that version of that. I don't think. You know, you have Iowa State and K State who are who are different. Certainly, I mean, I feel like they're actually more like Utah in a lot of ways, um, in how they want to well, play. Well, let me let me rephrase it. Um, I think one thing we haven't even really mentioned. You know, when you talked about how all these programs have changed conferences, haven't really benefited from it on the field. A recurring theme with a lot of those is how it changes your recruiting. You know, a lot of people think Nebraska has been hurt. By leave in recruiting, by no longer being in a conference where they play in Texas. I think, Stu, I'm going to stop you on that because I, I think it hurts the programs that don't have a strong local recruiting base. I don't think, like Nebraska, there's just not a ton of players right. from there. Like Miami, it shouldn't have changed the recruiting base at all. You know, it wasn't going to change the recruiting base, like. Like Boston College, and that might be a Steve Adazio problem more than anything else. You know, like why it was, you know, because they were when they had um, Matt Ryan, they were they were really strong, and then all of a sudden the program started to backslide. But I think when you look at some of the other programs that have just not flourished, you know, I think Nebraska it it's a very specific to me. I think it's a specific recruiting base and what that is. Um, Colorado. I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of factors why Colorado lost its way. I think Utah obviously gets a lot of kids from Utah, but they also get a lot of kids from California. Obviously, I mean, one thing they they thrive with is the Polynesian population. I don't know. I have no idea. I will say the thing that ha- they have going for them that would be going for them anywhere they go is an extremely passionate fan base, a Big Ten SEC-like fan base that is going to fit in very well with most of the fan bases in the Big 12. Arizona State's never going to be good in football until their fans care. It's just that simple. There's it's complete apathy. You know, no recruit goes into half-empty Sun Devil Stadium and thinks this is a great place to play. Kenny Dillingham's trying to change that. We'll see. But like, And they're not even all that excited to be joining this conference. Um, Arizona, Jed Fish, like you mentioned, has things going in a positive direction. We'll see. So... I know the interesting thing about the big the Big Twelve one is that you know Oregon Washington going to the Big Ten creates some really uh, some matchups. The, you know Andy Staples coined the four million club, the four million uh, viewer games, and Ohio State Oregon will be one of those. You know, anytime Ohio State or Wa- Oregon or Washington plays one of those big Big Ten schools, you're going to get that. Does Arizona Iowa State move the needle? Does Arizona State Oklahoma State moved the needle. I mean, this this was uh, done strategically, but I don't know that it's gonna. What's the What's the most compelling new matchup for you? BYU Utah. There you go. <laughs> I mean, the fact that they're gonna play every year now and 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 really truly hate each other. But no, let's real quick. Let's try to think of a different one. I mean, is Utah TCU? Is it? Yeah, it, there's some history there. You know, obviously. Um. 
Kansas State Wildcats versus Arizona Wildcats. I, I'm not, I mean, this is all a stretch. But this is also all why I look so dumb now that two years ago, I thought I would never in a million years would imagine the Big 12 would be of the two. The one that gets the better TV deal, the one that's vibrant, because they're not a they're not a big t- a conference full of t- big TV draws. Now TCU became one last year because they had a you know undefeated regular season, um, but again, like it was a perfect storm of ineptitude and bad timing for the for the Pac-12 and some really smart foresight by Brett Yormark and the way he handled his TV negotiations and. At the end of the day, that's what fuels this sport. You know, as much as we love to talk about tradition and rivalries and this and that, it's basically who, which TV networks will pay you money. And, and as we come out of this um, latest saga, the answer is Fox will pay for the Big Ten. Uh, ESPN and Fox are paying enough for the Big 12. Nobody wanted to pay the Pac-12. And as a result, a conference that has been uh, together in some form for a hundred years, more than a hundred years, uh, is probably done, and it's sad and it's crazy. Um, but you know, it also was avoidable. It took uh, thirteen years of mismanagement by two commissioners to to and the presidents. They deserve their blame too um, to make this happen. Real quick, we haven't even mentioned. Is this the end of the Rose Bowl? The game itself, um, maybe that'll become the Pac-12 title game. Sorry, the Big Ten. Maybe that'll become the Big Ten title game, yeah. Well, what it is is now a quarterfinal and sometimes semifinal in the playoff game. But there had been, uh, I mean, they'd been fighting so hard to protect that Big Ten Pac-12 matchup to the point where they they had been asking for, in the years when they host a um, semifinal, that they should still get to have a New Year's Day Big Ten Pac-12 game. And now there's no Pac-12. It's crazy. You and I have covered, I mean, I've probably covered 25 Rose Bowls. That uh, many? I think so. No, look, I live out here. But, like, the first one I think I went to was Jake Plummer against Ohio State. It was a great game. That was almost 30 years ago. And I feel like I've only missed maybe, like, five. Um, you know, it's, it's I, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of stuff changes. And it, it depends how you're wired. You either just kind of focus on your reality and whatever is in front of you, or you lament that what what's changing. You you just can't get over it. I don't know. I mean, you're gonna. It's a. It's all a trade off. The the tradition of the Rose Bowl goes away. In its place, is a twelve team NFL style playoff that massive amounts of people are going to watch. I mean, it's going to be. It's going to. F- Starting next year in 2024, this is going to feel like a completely different sport. And some people will hate that, and some people will dig it. Um, I think it's going to bring in a lot of people who, right now, like, they're a New York Giants fan, and they may turn in a couple college football games a year, who are going to watch that entire 12-team playoff. And then I think you're going to lose. If I'm an Oregon State fan and a Washington State fan, I might, I might check out. Like, why should I follow this sport that my school has been disenfranchised in? Uh, I mean, look, people are, I, th- I think, we'll find out more of this because it's still early, um, but look, people. Uh, there's some people who are outraged by athletes getting paid above board. There's, you know, it's like, I think it's not hard to find people get outraged by something, right? Because social media is there and everything else. 
And they are, and I do think there's people have reason to be feel hurt and pissed and don't like change. And there's a lot of people who hate change. Um, and so you're going to be, you know, you're going to have a lot of people out there. I don't know what percentage of them, um, who can't get past the way things used to be. Right. That's just how a lot of people are. Um, I don't know. I mean, we work in a sport where it's like, we either, you know, we either cover it and, and are around it and, and either embrace it to some, some extent, or you just like, Hey, you move on. I think you have to decide, you know, there's, um, I don't know if I want to make this example, but like there was a lot of people who don't like the direction of other sports and things that go on, you know, around them. And they're like, I'm not, I'm done with the league or whatever. You know, it's like, I'm done with that sport. Okay. Well, I mean, those sports are going to keep going, whether, whether, whether you're, whether you're on the train or not. I know you're not a soccer guy and I'm barely a soccer guy. I think I'm actually, I think I'm actually more of a soccer guy now than now than you are actually. You probably are, but um, I was watching the world cup and now all the games are at three in the morning. Um, That's Rob Stone's fault. (laughs) That's not to, not to, Bring this up on your, but your employer, man. Oh, don't no, no, much no, money no, they're no. going to be losing on that. How many full disclosures that, do I need to have on this? Podcast? Okay, um, I just leave. No, I was going to say is like I don't know if you remember a couple years ago, just like out of nowhere, all the top clubs announced they were forming a super league, which was very uh, parallel to what's going on in college football right now. And instead of everybody being excited about it. The fan, even the fans of the teams that were going to be part of this anointed club, revolted. They mutinied. They didn't want to leave behind the teams, you know, especially the English, the, the the clubs they'd been playing for for you know a hundred years. They felt bad for those little guys, and they end up having to pull back on it. And it's just interesting that college football seems to be the exact opposite. It's like maybe because it's just, it's like you know, screw you, <laughs> you we won, you lost, sorry. Sorry that happened to you, but, you know, we're part of the big club. We're going to move on. Um, I think, you know, at some point, I've said it for, I don't know, six, seven years at this point. Like, the ultimate, where we're ultimately heading is, is the college football Premier League. Where, you know, the next, the next ones that will get left out are Indiana, Northwestern, Vanderbilt. You know, until all that's left in the, in the quote-unquote big show is the top 24, 28, 32 programs. But... Uh, we'll save that for another time. We'll be back on Monday our regular, for our regularly scheduled episode, but uh, there was a lot to cover here. We'll see you next time.